We've been doing a series, and I kind of paused it last week, and man, I need a joy this week. I don't know about you, but well, there are several times I was not happy that pastor preached on joy this week, because golly, it was hitting too close to home at times. Anyway, we paused last week our series on 2 Corinthians, and we're kind of coming back to that this week. Um, and if you recall, I just had been praying about a book study, and God led me to the book of Corinthians. I started with the second one because the first one's all about Paul's problems with the church. And the second one's more of his encouragement uh, to the believers there in the church. And so we've been looking at this and we've gone through a series of messages and kind of how God has used Paul to take a situation and reveal the, uh, the, the transformation that happens. So we talked about suffering and how God wants us to have comfort. We talked about offense and how God wants us to live in forgiveness. We've talked about um, good smell versus, well, bad smell when God wants us to smell good. I mean, that's kind of some of what we've been looking at. And, and so we're going to continue on in that, in that series because I think there's some, some profound truths of just how we, we live and how we're not living in the transformation that God wants us to live in. And some of these situations we may recognize, we may recognize our our discomfort or our sufferings. We may recognize unforgiveness. And some of them we may not recognize. We not, might not realize we smell pretty bad. You know what I mean? Like there's some that we recognize and there's some that we don't. And there's some that we recognize in others, but we don't recognize it in ourselves. And so I, I just want this to be very reflective. Again, think of the verse that's kind of been the catalyst um, for this series. Um, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. I want this series to be a reflective series for us, that we can look at the mirror, which is the Word of God, and see maybe what needs to change. Maybe recognize these things in us that aren't how God designed us to be. And when we recognize them, I mean, again, in that verse it says, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and then we become transformed. Like there's got to be change. The purpose in this is not to look at the mirror and see all the problems and then not to do anything about it because I think we've done that a lot. The purpose I believe that God is, is bringing us through is that we can recognize these things and be transformed. How? By the glory of God. Through the glory of God we're transformed. And so that's what we've been looking at. And actually, uh, this verse has been in chapter 3, and that's the chapter that we get to look at this, this morning. I don't know that we'll make it through the whole chapter, but we're looking in that chapter this morning. And actually, we will make it through the whole chapter, hopefully. That's my plan anyway. So if you want to turn to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read just a little bit to get us started this morning and see what kind of transformation God intends for us Today, Father, I thank you for your goodness and love. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you that you are faithful to us. And I pray for us this morning, God. I thank you for your presence in the worship. I thank you for your anointing upon us. And God, I ask that your will would be accomplished in the word. For us this day, God, I pray for our ears and our hearts, our minds, to be open to what you're trying to reveal. God, as a pastor, I, I, I yield myself to you. I ask God, your will be accomplished in this place. 
that we would be transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read just the first three verses. It says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And, and so I just want to pause, because this is kind of an introduction to where we're going, and I find it interesting when I read this. Paul, he comes up with some pretty cool metaphors. And as he's writing to the church, as he's writing to those who are, who are believing, he's saying what? He describes them as what? You're my letter of recommendation. Now, what in the world is Paul communicating? If we think about the history of the church in Corinth, there are, there are false teachers that are coming up and they're kind of accusing Paul and they're trying to discredit Paul and they're trying to create the vision within the church in Corinth. And potentially, uh, they're asking for his credentials, or they're asking for his letter of recommendation. And Paul's response is, I don't need a letter because you are my letter. What God is doing in you is my letter. What God has accomplished in your life is the letter of recommendation that I need. That's the only letter of recommendation I need. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and um, he's a pastor, and and he actually was going through a, a, a process of interviewing at a church. And I asked him the simple question. I said, what references did you list? And he said, I didn't, I didn't, ask, they didn't ask for any references. He was applying at a church and they wanted no letters of recommendation. And I thought to myself, how skewed is it that we don't want to see the fruit of what's being accomplished? You see, there's a lot that can be put on a resume but there's a whole lot you'll discover when you talk to a, a reference, a letter of recommendation. And Paul is saying, you know, I can write things down or someone else can write things down. We can have a reporter follow me and they can jot down all that's been accomplished. But the reality is there's more of a story that's told by your life about my ministry than anything that can be written by pen and paper. And then not only does he say that about himself, but then he goes a step further. Not only are you my letter of recommendation, but whose letter of recommendation are you? You're a letter from Christ. Oh, man. You're a letter from Christ. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul is saying, there's something in you, in your life, that you are telling. The word, because this becomes intriguing in a little bit, he, he translates letter right now as epistole. You are the letter that God has written to communicate a message to the, to the people around you. I asked, how do you smell? <laughs> what are you saying? Like, are people discovering the glory of God in the letter Christ has written on your heart? If you see yourself 
as a letter from, from Christ written by the Spirit of God inside of you, what story, that's what epistle is. It's telling a story. It's communicating a message. What story are you communicating? And Paul uses an analogy, and we're going to look at it. Because hopefully when you read that last verse, your mind goes somewhere other than just letters from God. Right? He, he talks about tablets of stone. What do you think of when it comes to tablets of stone? Huh? Moses. The Ten Commandments, right? The law. That's the analogy that Paul is going to go ahead and get into right now. He's going to get into this reality of law because we're talking about the law, the letter from God, that was God's letter to Moses. It was written on tablets of stone. But God has done something different that, that what we're going to get into in the Word today is that it's been transformed. That message that God was written. Recall, we talked about we have a, a negative image and then the glory of God, if you want to pull that just stupid slide of my family up, not stupid, beautiful slide of my family, sorry. And what I think Paul is saying is that, and, and we'll get into this in just a moment, and we'll read some more in this chapter, we have this image, which is what God gave to Moses, written on tablets of stone. And what he wants the church, and what he's trying to get them to grasp, is that because of the glory of God, it has become transformed, and something new is appearing. It's not just the old, and it's not just the new, but God has done something through His glory. Well, why do you say that? Well, thanks for asking. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of what? A new covenant. Now, the old covenant is what was written on tablets of stone, correct? And Paul is trying to bring the church to a place of transformation. Now, imagine you lived under the law. Imagine you lived under the old law. I got to guess that there's a lot of refining, there's a lot of transformation that has to happen in your life because of what the law has done. And so he says, he's made you a competent minister of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The English language is pretty confusing, to be honest. I read this and I see that God talks about we're letters of recommendation, and then we're a letter from Christ, and I think, oh, that's cool. And then all of a sudden now we're talking about letters and, and it's not the letter of the, not of the letter but of the Spirit for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. And I'm, and I'm wrestling with myself, what's going on here? And so I started to look and, and, and what I found out, this is the interesting piece of translation. And this may be pastor reading too much into something but I like to do that sometimes. In translation, when Paul talks about a letter of recommendation, he's using the word epistole. And then when we come down and he talks about this, 
this letter, and it will continue on in this chapter, this, this word letter, such confidence we have, not the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. He uses a different word completely. Now, we don't see that when we read the Word of God. We see the same word. So, so what is Paul communicating? Because now he's using the word grandma. Not your grandma, but kind of like grandma in school. And that word, the interesting thing, when I looked at the definition of that word, it was very broad in, in, in the definition. So, epistole, the definition was a letter, a dispatch, an epistle, a message. Grandma, that which is drawn or written. A letter. A letter of the alphabet, collectively written, a revelation, a written document, a letter, an epistle, writings, literature, learning. There was something very different in what Paul's communicating. So when he uses those words, and, and just stick with me for a second, when he says epistole, there is a defined meaning that comes with that. There is a defined message that's coming with the word epistole. When he uses the letter or the word grandma, he, he isn't saying that it's necessarily defined. Grandma is as simply as writing an A on the wall. Or it's as complex as writing a novel in a book, but it's not implied meaning with that. Are you tracking with me? So there are some things that are written, and we would call them grandma. When they have a message, they become epistole. And so what he's saying is that there are some things that are written that have meaning, and there are some things that are written that, that are just there. When we have just grandma... It kills. I mean, you know, you read that as a New Testament believer. We read about the Old Covenant, how the Old Covenant brought condemnation and death, and we think, why in the world would God have even started that if that's what's being accomplished by it? God's pretty smart. He knows that. <laughs> you know, we talk about how law brings death and, and the Spirit brings life, and, and it's hard for me to recognize, but the reality is, 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 is when we're communicating this written law on tablets of stone, these letters bring death without the meaning behind them. These letters bring death without the glory of God being revealed through them. Think about Moses. Paul is not in any way saying that the law was bad. Because he starts talking about the glory of God. What happened to Moses on Mount Sinai or when he came down from Mount Sinai with the law that God had given? If you recall in the scripture, Moses experienced the glory of God to the point that his face shone brightly. It shone so brightly that people said, your face is shining too brightly, please cover it up. He was transformed by the glory of God. The law in itself was not bad. God's glory is absolutely revealed in the Old Covenant. But His glory has been revealed in Jesus Christ. His glory is being revealed in Jesus Christ. And so suddenly, when His glory shines, His Spirit begins to write on my heart. I'll just continue this chapter. 
Now if the ministry that brought death, that was the old covenant, which was engraved in letters, that's grandma on stone, came with glory. So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses. See, pastor wasn't making that up. Because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Man, do we live like letters of recommendation? Hmm. For what was glorious has no glory now in in, in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater glory, uh, how much greater is the glory that which lasts? Therefore, since we have hope, we are very bold. Are you a letter for Christ? We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. So for this day, uh, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ can it be taken away. Is it taken away? Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But... Verse 16 says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate, we reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Do you see what Paul says? I've experienced people who were under God's promise, the Old Covenant. And what I saw in them was death. What I saw in them, what he says, when I, when, I, when I experienced them, whenever we talked about the law, I mean, the law was supposed to be good. What was the law supposed to accomplish? Forgiveness of sin. Without the law, we could not be forgiven. In the Old Testament, without the law, there was no forgiveness of sin. There was no hope for anyone without that law. But that law became condemnation. It became a lot of grammar, a lot of letters that had no meaning, and we just did it because we had to do it, and we became obliged to doing it, and people lost sight of of the freedom and the hope, the glory of God that brought that covenant. Man, are we doing that with the new covenant? Are we losing sight of God's glory that brought about the assurance of my salvation? God's glory that a sacrifice was shed so my sin could be forgiven, not just temporarily, but eternally. The promise that I have hope, the promise that I can have joy that we talked about last week, the promise that I can have forgiveness in my life, and yet sometimes I don't know that we're living in life. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, you start talking in church and we're doing it right now. We got membership. Oh man, I hate membership. 
Right? It's a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of words on a piece of paper. It's a bunch of grandma. I get it. My pastorly heart says I'm not looking for the grandma, but I'm looking for the epistolae. That's the message that's behind the words. Yes, there are things that we do and there are things that we don't do. And the reason why we do what we do is the same as the reason why we don't do what we don't do. It's because of the love of Jesus Christ and the glory of God that is within me. The Spirit of God that He's placed inside of me determines what's right and what's wrong. Don't tease my kids. I'm not going to always be able to use them as examples, but he's not in service this morning. Last night, Levi and I, we had a rough night. We'll just say that. I I talked about joy. There wasn't much joy. And we got to a place, and I said, son, I'm done with you. I said, you can stay in your room all night long. I don't care. I am done. And he'd been a snot, disrespectful, not behaving well. But how many times as parents do we say, just apologize? We, we, we tell our kids what to do and so then it becomes law for them. Have you been there? I mean, I do it with my kids all the time. They'll smack each other. Uh, the other day, Graham punched Elliot in the throat. Well, you've got to apologize. So he comes out and you know, he's laughing on the inside. I'm sorry, Elliot. No, you're not. That's law. <laughs> that brings death because you're not really sorry. So in five minutes when you punch him again, I can see that there was nothing that was transformed inside of you. So Levi and I were having a rough night. I mean, it, it, was, it was not good. And I said, I'm finished with you, son. I'm done with you tonight. And I walked out. And I saw him. He came out and he pulled a chair out. and He climbed up on the little hanger thing in the kitchen. And I'm like, what's this little snot getting into? Because there's plenty of stuff for him to get into there. And he disappeared. He's back in our room and... I walk back and he starts hiding. Great, what's he doing? It's about epistole. It's not about the grandma. And he comes out to me and he hands me this piece of paper. He had climbed up to get a pen. He went back in our room to get a piece of paper. Dad, comma, I'm sorry. S-O-R-E. Could have had a whole different meaning. I've not been behaving well. Heart, I love you. I'm going to tell you there's a difference between epistole and grandma. There's a difference between the written word and, and the, the transformation that the Spirit of God places inside of our hearts. When the choices I make, when I say to my Father, I'm sorry, I've not been behaving well. How many times do we say, I'm sorry, I've not been behaving well because the law says I can't do this and I just broke the rules. And so I don't want to get in trouble anymore. So I'm sorry, so I don't get in trouble how many times does the law make us say, well, I, I can't do that, I won't do that, I, I, you know, and, and, and we become so consumed by the grandma that we're missing the epistole, the story that the glory of God is writing on your heart. 
I didn't have to tell Levi to apologize. I wasn't going to tell Levi to apologize. I was completely content if Levi went to bed. But the story. But the message. I was going to go through, I got a chart on the Old Covenant, New Covenant, and I'm not doing that this morning. Because I want to focus on the reality that you're a letter from Christ. You know, we think of, I think of the, the, the ones in the New Testament. We think, I think it's in Matthew chapter 5 where we see them and they're doing everything that's right. You know what I'm talking about? You do your acts of righteousness before men. You fast and you announce it. You put sackcloth and you know, ashes on your forehead so people see you fasting. Your reward comes from men. I mean, they have the, the grandma down pat. They weren't much of a letter from Christ. You know, I'll read this. Hebrews. If I'm jumping ahead, Irene, I don't know, but I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. It says the law was only a shadow of the good things that are coming. That old covenant, it was only a shadow of the good things that were coming. Not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. But when we continue in that chapter, in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that our faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He said, let's live in a new way. We can approach the king. Our hearts have been sprinkled. Uh, The guilty conscience that we once had no longer is. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because God is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I wanted to read this because isn't that some of the biggest law we've got? Right? That's church attendance there, right? Isn't that, I mean, we're going to use that. You attend church. Why? Let us not give up together meeting as some are doing. But the why, remember this cool pastor, I, I, I listened to his podcast sometime, he preached on the why, we do things. If you haven't checked him out, go to ChristCommunityAG.com, you can pull up a podcast, listen to a sermon, it's called Why. I mean, that's the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we coming to church? I'm not coming to church because there's a law that says I must come to church. I'm coming to church because I know I'm going to experience the glory of God. I'm coming to church because I can be there with someone else. I can encourage someone else. I can be light for someone else. And I want to tell you, if you're coming to church because of the law, you're bringing death with you. What? You ever been with someone who didn't want to do something, but they're doing it because they have to? 
I mean, that's who you want to work with every day, right? That's who you want to be around all the time. I mean, they bring joy, genuine joy in your life. Worship. That's a lot of grandma. How many times do we sing things and it's just words on the wall, but we're not thinking of the words that we're singing? If it's not epistole, if it's not the message of our life, then what good is it? Man, it feels good. Yeah, I get it. That's cool. Sing away. Sing in a shower. And worship is about epistole. Praise is about telling the message of what God has done. Man, your life is epistole. Your life is a message from Jesus Christ. Your life is declaring the glory of God that He's placed within you. Your life is declaring the words that He's written on your heart. The things that you do and the things that you don't do, they are there because of the glory of God which is inside of you. The glory of God that was revealed through Jesus Christ on that cross. What's your message? You guys can come forward. You know, this morning, as we conclude this morning, as we kind of wrap up the time, this morning as we shift or transition, I, I just have that simple question. Man, and if you recognize, I bet you this letter stepped on some toes. I bet when Paul starts writing about old law and new law and people who were really good at doing the old law but they had no spirit written in their heart, I mean, he jumped on some toes. And I hope that the Spirit of God, not in a weird way, but in, a, in his, his loving way, is stepping on some toes this morning because so much of us, So much of what we do, so much of who we become is, it's about letters. You know, Jesus Himself said what? I came not to abolish the law, but to do what? He said, I came to fulfill it. Those rules, those words were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The choices, the things that you do and the things that you don't do, they're fulfilled through the glory of Jesus Christ being revealed in you. I am a message. I am a written letter from Jesus Christ to those who are around me. What are they reading? What are they seeing? That chapter, it, it ended with that verse. We all who with unveiled vases contemplate the Lord's glory. We don't have to hide what God has done in us. He didn't do that for you to hide it. He didn't transform you for you to cover it. He didn't shine His glory in your life for you to mask it. And we all 
who with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into His image. My life, the reflection of my life, the reflection of who I am, is being transformed into the image of Christ with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is a Spirit. Do you need transformation today? Maybe there's some stories that he needs to write. Maybe there's some choices that need to be sprinkled with the blood so we don't live in condemnation. Not because of the law, but because of the grace of God. Not because of of a written rule, but because I know that my life, it hurt Him. You know, when I talk about law, this is the strangest place to go to talking about law. It's 11.24. Kickoff was at 11 o'clock today. Bengals are playing. Playing San Francisco in Cincinnati. Probably there's a score right now. I'm not sure what it is. And you know, I used to be so driven by that. Like, bad. Like, I'm still bad, but I was bad. And so I'd be at church, and church would be getting done, and I'd be out of there because I had to have time to get home and get in, in my Bengals jersey and get down on the couch, and I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to be around people. And if someone would have told me in that moment, don't watch the Bengals, man, that's crazy. That's law. That's holiness stuff. You're nuts. And if I would have stopped watching the Bengals because someone told me that I was, I was forsaking the body of Christ by watching the Bengals, I'd have told them Bengals fans are believers too, and I'm just having church there. Right? But because of epistole, because of the glory of God, I don't have to go to ESPN real quick and check the score. Not because, not because of law, but because of the Spirit of God that's written on my heart. I believe it was sin in my life where I, how obsessed I was with that team. I'm not kidding you. It was sin. My attitude, my family knew when the Bengals lost. My neighbors knew when the Bengals weren't winning. It was sin. And if someone would have wrote that that was sin, I'd have said you're absolutely loony. It had to be the Spirit of God and the glory of God that could reveal that to me. There was no law that could be written. There was no thing that could be said but the Spirit of God revealing that within me and transforming my heart. Now, after service, I will check the score. But I'm okay. You're the message. You're the letter. Paul said to the church they were such a great letter that they were the ones affirming his ministry. Not only his ministry, but the ministry of Christ. You're a letter. Is your letter affirming the ministry of Christ Community Church? Yeah, that's good. What about the ministry of Himself, of the One? God, this morning I come to You. 
God, I thank you for transformation. And I thank you that you've given us the way for transformation. And God, in this room, I I pray, God, yeah, we're under the new covenant. We're not under that old. And sometimes this letter and tablets of stone stuff, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But God, I think we do comprehend doing things because we've been told we shouldn't do them, but not doing them for the right reasons. God, your covenant, your promise is introduced with glory. The glory of the old covenant came to Moses on Mount Sinai where he was transformed by your glory. The glory of the new covenant comes through Jesus Christ where we're transformed by your glory. I pray that this day, God, I pray in this room we experience the glory of God. I pray that, God, in the next few moments we can look as in a mirror looking at the Word of God, looking at at Him, looking at the glory of God. And then as we look at that glory, we become transformed to the place that our faces shine forth. We don't put a veil over what you've done. We don't try to hide the things that you're accomplishing. We're not afraid to, to, to bow down before you. We're not afraid to cry out because of what you're doing. We're not timid or, or, or ashamed of, of the things you're accomplishing, but the glory that you're revealing in us. God in me. I pray that grandma would become a pistolate. That any letter, any written word you placed inside of me, God, it would have a message behind it. God, I pray that my words, my actions, my thoughts, they would be a pistolate, they would be a meaning, they would be your word to Crawford, Nebraska. Your word to to Harrison, Nebraska. Your word to Shadron, Nebraska. To Dawes County. To Sioux County, God. To our neighbors. To our friends. To our families. God, help us to experience you. In Jesus' name is... Won't well, Carrie lead us in a chorus? I'll open the altars up. And I just encourage you to experience the glory of God which transforms. If you want to bow where you're at, if you want to sit where you're at, if you want to stand where you're at, if you want to lay down where you're at, that's fine. But I want us to experience the glory of God that transforms this morning. Transforms us to a place that there's something different. I hope that someone looks at you this week and says, man, you're awfully bright. What's going on? Because the glory of God is so real on you. You're reflecting that image so transparently that people just say, man, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I can't hide it. Yeah, that's, that's who he is. That's what he's done. That's who I am. Anything. I wanted to tell the rest of the story with Levi. So dad gets a note that says, I'm sorry, I'm not behaving well. 
But what does Dad do? Dad grabs a pen and he grabs that piece of paper and he flips it over and he says, Thank you. He says, Son, I don't like... I don't like nights like tonight. And Dad draws a heart and says, I love you. I will tell you, when you are a letter written by Christ, your Father will write back. Your Father is faithful. He loves you. I grab Levi. He's not a kisser. I know that. So we put our heads together. And he came over to me and he had that letter in his hand and I grabbed his head and I just put our heads together. He's not really a hugger most of the time either and he put his arms around me. They're a letter from Christ. God desires authenticity, sincerity in who you are and I will promise you your Father in Heaven will write back. I will promise you your Father in Heaven will grab your head and and put it up next to His. I will promise you when you're making those choices because of the Spirit inside of you, your Father's smiling. Your Father will want to love you. He'll want to express Himself to you. I'm a man. Right? I'm fallen. That's what he says in Scripture. We men, you want to give good gifts to your son? How much greater your Father in Heaven wants to give? And I promise you. I'll say this. You got the sanctuary can remain the sanctuary for a little while. Lord bless you and keep you. May make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May you be transformed by the glory of God and may that letter that he's written may those letters that he's writing be life life to you life to your children life to your neighbors may we be his letters amen